today um, we get to celebrate um, the fact that seven people have crossed over from death to life, have crossed over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's good news, church. Amen. Today we get to celebrate. Yes, we get to celebrate. So what I'm going to do, we're going to jump, jump right in. These guys are going to come up real quick and share, just share a brief tidbit of why they're being baptized today. All right. So Vincent, come on up, brother. Come on up, brother. All right. Go. No, go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's on. All right. Um, so real quick, I mean, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Um, I became a Christian two years ago at Northwestern University. And so in a varsity, um, especially, you know, Andy Kim, InterVarsity has just been such a huge part of how God's been working in my life. So I just wanted to share today a bit about what InterVarsity, um, you know, what InterVarsity means to me, how God has been working through InterVarsity. Um, so first of all, freshman year, I clearly wasn't looking for any Christian community at all. You know, um, we'd have student fairs with activities and um, activity fairs and things like that. And every time there was a Christian group, I would make a beeline around it just to avoid them always coming and talking to us. Because, you know, Christians are like that, right? Um, but, yeah, so that was me freshman year. And um, I even had some of my closest friends were part of Asian American University. And they even, you know, were trying to share the gospel with me. And I would just turn them down every single time. You know, I would have a million excuses, a million reasons why Christianity wasn't the answer. Why God wasn't for me. Why God didn't even exist. Um, and then... You know, sophomore year comes around, and I find myself in a position where I need some kind of community, where um, my notion and understanding of love just kind of crumbled down to pieces, where a tower that I'd built for myself freshman year um, it just blew over like a house of cards. And so I found myself seeking community, seeking it um, in going out every weekend, you know, just having fun, end up ruining a couple relationships there. Um, but by God's grace, I was also part of a small group um, my sophomore year when I came back to Northwestern. And in that small group, you know, I felt, I felt some kind of love. I felt like, you know, we were the same kind of people. We listened to the same kind of music. We ate the same kind of food. But they had something else. And they had this notion of love, you know, this notion of unrequited love that I never really saw in communities before, right, when I was looking for friendships at Northwestern. And so this was really powerful for me. Um, and long story short, sophomore year, um, right when I came back from winter break, I was reflecting on a lot of the things that had happened my fall quarter. And I just felt drawn to go to a church. Um, so I went to this church in Evanston, and I didn't know anybody there. But the minute I walked into the sanctuary, I noticed the cross on the wall. And for some reason, I felt some kind of unity there, like, like I belonged there, you know? And that was really new for me, um, you know, really feeling like, whoa, you know, here's a community that I belong to. And the reason for that belonging was more than just people accepting me um, or people knowing who I was. You know, the reason for my belonging there was because we were all part of something greater because of Jesus, because of that cross, right? 
And so after church that Sunday, um, that was my first time in a church. And then the next Friday, I went to InterVarsity's large group. And um, a speaker there was speaking on Job. You know, speaking on God's sovereignty, God's glory, um, and how this was a God who would answer Job. This was, a, this was a God who would answer to someone who would call God out, right? Who would, you know, this is the kind of relationship that I was invited to enter into. And so at the end of the, uh, yeah, end of the session, they made an altar call. Um, I didn't even know it was an altar call back then. Now I know. Um, but they invited anybody who wanted to enter in this type of relationship with this type of God to stand up. And it's not like I had all the answers figured out. Um, it took me, I'm still figuring some things out right now, right? Um, and I think that's part of the Christian walk. That's part of our walk with God. Um, and he helps us figure those things out. But at that moment, I knew that, all right, you know what? Let's make a commitment. Let's, um, let's make this, you know, quote-unquote official. So since then, God's just been doing remarkable things. Um, my junior year and senior years, I served on leadership with InterVarsity, and the Lord just really, He's just been doing wonderful things, just been growing me and just drawing me closer to Him since then. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Amen. Thank you, Vincent. Hi, brother. Richard, Richard, come on up. Hi, uh, my name is Richard, and uh, I'm nervous, so I'm just going to kind of read from this. Uh, you want it closer to you? Uh, when I first uh, met my wife, Sue, it was a little over a year removed from a breakup I had with someone um, that I'd been with for several years. And uh, as many people have experienced, uh, you get very caught up in that kind of moment, and it's easy to lose perspective. And uh, that loss of something, or it, was, it can be difficult uh, to overcome, and as it was for me. Uh, I felt as if you know, everything that I planned for my future uh, had vanished, and I couldn't really imagine things improving anytime soon. Uh, but in hindsight, you know, what I went through was you know, fairly silly, and my reaction was probably immature and over-dramatic. Uh, but... Uh, it wasn't until I met Sue that I realized this and was able to, to move on. Um, as it turned out, uh, while I was basically trying to fill the void uh, of my uh, relationship ending, she was actually dealing with the passing of uh, her husband. I couldn't even comprehend the kind of pain that she was going through at the time because what I felt uh, as my pain was unbearable, and yet she was dealing with something much more than I could even imagine. Uh, and after speaking to her about her experience, I learned that uh, her void wasn't really a void um, in, in the same sense as mine was because she felt uh, God was with her and she was able to deal with uh, a loss of one relationship because she still had another relationship with God. Um, and seeing her strength in handling her loss, uh, which was so much greater than mine, really put things into perspective for me and made me realize uh, that there was nothing that I too couldn't overcome if I also had a relationship with God in my life. And that was really the first time that I experienced someone's faith in God truly making a difference in their life. Um, and it opened my mind to something that I have been really closed off to until then. Um, I can't say that, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life or anything like that. It's really, this is more 
beginning of uh, my journey for me. And so um, not long after, afterwards, uh, I began to feel, feel different, feel better. And that experience gave me hope, and that hope kind of awakened me to God's love and grace, not just in that moment, but I started to notice it more throughout my life. Um, there were many times when I felt alone in dealing with things, whether they were big or small, and now that I believe that God is uh, with me at all times, I know that I, can, I just need to focus on that relationship, and I won't be alone in moving forward. Um, and basically, today, I, I, I want to acknowledge all the things that he's done and will do for me in my life, um, which is why I'm here to be baptized today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Noemi, come on up. Everybody, this is Noemi. It's been a blessing to see how God has worked in my life these past several months. I was reintroduced to the Bible last year and had become curious about exploring the idea of faith in a Christian church. Growing up Catholic, the gospel was familiar to me, but I never felt connected or engaged enough to its meaning to grow in a spiritual relationship with God. I visited a few churches and thoughtfully prayed for the first time these visits. My prayer time was intimate and it was vulnerable. I had never experienced prayer as such a surrendering relational time. Through an overwhelming awareness of God through prayer, I came to accept Christ and trust in his provision for me. Soon after I became Christian, I came across new community and experienced a refreshing diversity and welcoming that I wanted to be a part of. Within a couple months, I started volunteering at the Warming Center and joined a small group. God's grace has made me feel confidently different, and I continue to be reassured of His faithfulness by witnessing the dynamic of the community group I'm in. There is a genuine loyalty and giving amongst those in the group that I am truly grateful for. God has given me a chance to be known by others and feel encouraged to live more fully in Christ. Having become Christian has helped me reprioritize what is more important to me, and I feel relieved to know that my sustenance is continuously dependent on God. I've always trusted that I could manage my burdens and responsibilities on my own and didn't really understand why I needed faith to be a priority. God has humbled my self-assurance, and I'm thankful to have been made aware of my place in the world as a believer. I now completely acknowledge and accept my helplessness before him. And being baptized gives me the chance to demonstrate that belief publicly. His work in me has prompted my want to lead a life by his example and to continuously know Christ through my relationship with him. I've always had a passion for community service, but my faith has encouraged me to see this as a gift that's been purposely given to me. 
It's a wonderful thing to be able to now see that my abilities are a chance for God to work through me for the sake of his people. I felt God's spirit overwhelm me with positive changes in both my mentality and habits, and I'm excited to be overcome by the gospel's promise for the new life I've started. Amen. Are you guys being blessed by the testimonies? Yeah. You can let them know. Amen. Hey, brother. Feel the spirit here. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so, hi. My name is Kiyong. Um, <laughs> uh, my story kind of begins with my parents' story. Um, they came <laughs> to the U.S. to study and not yet as Christians. And after they got their degrees, um, they mo- moved to Columbus, Ohio. Um, and on one of the first times that my mother um, was shopping for groceries, a random stranger approached to her and decided to pray for her. Um, and she hadn't even been a Christian yet. Hmm. And shortly after that, um, my dad developed a condition in his eyes that made him legally blind. So he can still see, it's fine. But um, through that hardship, my parents came to know Christ. Um, and then I was born, and I was born into the church. And I feel like that was really awesome for me too, and that really played a big part of my Christian journey. Uh, when I was four, our family moved back to Korea, uh, where I lived until I came to college. Um, I went to church with my parents for a long time as a kid, and I was the kind of kid who always believed and who always was faithful. Um, but in middle school, I was attending Korean youth group But I had been going to an international school, so I didn't have any friends in Korean youth group. Um, I'd just been going, listening to sermon, and leaving. Um, And one of the pastors um, that was our family friend decided to pray for me and uh, prayed that I would find a church group where I would have a lot of friends. Um, And shortly after that, uh, one of my middle school friends, she invited me to her church's praise night. Um, So I went there. that night um, I dedicated myself to Christ Um, basically I said I'm not just going to be an attender I'm going to be a servant of Christ and that youth group um, that's where I found my foundation of faith Um, but then after that the pastor that I really liked left um, and I had moved to somewhere far so I stopped going to that youth group and then again my high school friend another one um, he invited me to the same youth group and they had gotten a new pastor then Pastor Eddie, um, and I owe a lot to him, um, and he, that's where I found my formation, my faith formation, um, and then I came to college, and I found InterVarsity, that's where I found so much of my close friends, so much of my Christian friends, and found an amazing community where I matured in my faith, and um, these things are all small, I feel like, um, they're small. Um, being born into a Christian family, a loving Christian family. Um, finding a good community of youth group in middle school. Finding an intellectually stimulating pastor in high school. Um, and finding a good community of Christians in college. But those were big things to me, my faith. And I know that none of those things were my doing. 
they were all gods. Um, and I know I've never wandered, I've always been faithful, but I know all of that is because God was faithful to me, not because I was faithful to God. That's right. So that's my testimony, and I, I offer that testimony as a thanksgiving. And I'm going to have a moment of PDA right now a little bit. Um, God, I love you so much. Susan? Here you go. Good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> as a child, I grew up in a church. My mom was a devout Christian, so I spent every Sunday at church, but I didn't really get to know God until about six years ago. Um, six years ago, I married my best friend. Life was it couldn't get any better. And one morning at brunch, about two months after we came back from our honeymoon, my husband had a stomach ache, so we went to the emergency room. Um, for about a week, they couldn't find out what was wrong with him. Whatever it was, they ruled out cancer and reassured us that they would soon find the cause. Relieved but frustrated nonetheless, I had to move to Northwestern Hospital. After running some various tests, um, we were given the worst news of all times. It was cancer. It was stomach cancer, stage four. He had about 11 months to live. It all felt like a dream. Everything seemed very surreal. And I remember calling my mom immediately. That night and every night thereafter, she prayed for him. But the first night she prayed for him, she had like kind of an out-of-body experience where she saw herself praying and she kept seeing the number seven all around her. We knew that there would be a miracle. Despite all odds, we knew that he would beat it. When the doctor gave him the diagnosis, he was so out of it, he didn't realize how terminal he was. He thought that he had an 80% chance of survival, which was what was originally told to him at the first hospital before they ruled it out. Um, and I didn't have... The, the, um, the guts to tell him otherwise and part of it was I thought that if he believed that he had a chance to survive that he would, it would give him the courage to fight on so we fought and one day I was late going to the hospital when he asked the doctor um, what his diagnosis was and to his surprise she said none I've never seen someone in your condition survive the other shoe had dropped he stopped speaking, he stopped trying, anger and despair had filled our household. It was in my darkest hour when all hope was lost that I had found God. Without him, I can't imagine how I would, I would have had the strength to go on. By that time, his stomach had stopped working. He had to be fed intravenously. He had an NG tube going from his nose to his stomach. Pumping, and it was hooked up to a vacuum so it would suck out all the bile that he couldn't, um, I guess, process. And by that time, the cancer had spread from his stomach to his lungs. So every couple of days, he was going to the hospital getting a tap. So he was getting uh, about a liter and a half of fluid getting removed from his lungs so he wouldn't asphyxiate. And this went on for months. Uh, God's strength. And our hope for a miracle was the only thing that kept 
me going. Three days before Thanksgiving, he went into a coma. And the doctor sat me down and they said, you know, it wouldn't be inhumane if we didn't revive him. I looked up and I said, are you asking me to pull the plug? A wife of two months gives me the legal authority to make a decision over human life. They also asked me whether if I wanted to put him on DNR, which is do not resuscitate. You know, logic, modern medicine, and science would, I think that would be a logical decision to do to end all the suffering. But all the pastors at church were advising me otherwise. Um, It was the most difficult decision I had to make. You know, it's hard enough to make that decision for yourself and deal with the consequences of suffering, but knowing that your decision impacts the person that you love and the consequences would be watching him suffer, it made it even harder. I decided to take a leap of faith. Thanksgiving morning, he woke up, and only this time, it was different. He was filled with all smiles, and he said to me, thank you for saving me. Thank you for leading me to God. I'm going to live. It was as if he had turned a corner. His attitude had changed 180 degrees. And as his physical health deteriorated, the stronger our faith grew. Because I felt that miracles always happen at the brink of death. So I just felt that our time for a miracle was getting nearer. Throughout our journey, we experienced so many miracles, I could almost write a book. But we were eagerly waiting for the ultimate miracle to happen. On our seven-month anniversary and seven days before Christmas, my husband passed. And in this darkest hour, somehow I felt at peace as if I had known all along that the number seven that my mom saw in her dreams was actually for the life and redemption that he would receive in heaven. That someone like me, who wasn't even all that religious, was able to save someone else. And that was the miracle. After the funeral, I came home and I found a painting that I had done for a widow back in high school. Um, It was a portrait of her deceased husband. I had completely forgotten all about it. And next to that portrait was a poem. And it read, I'll lend you for a little time a child of mine, he said. For you to love while he lives and mourn when he's dead. It may be six or seven years or 22 or three, but will you, till I call him back, take care of him for me? He'll bring his charms to gladden you, and should his stay be brief, you'll have these precious memories as solace for your grief. I cannot promise that he will stay since all from earth return. But there are lessons taught down there that I want this child to learn. I've looked this world over in my search for teachers true. In the crowds that throng life's land, I have selected you. Now will you give him all your love, not think the labor vain, nor hate me when I call him to take him back again? It seems to me I heard them say, Dear Lord, thy will be done. For all the joys a child shall bring, the risk of grief will run. We'll shelter him with tenderness, 
we'll love him while we may, for the happiness we've known forever grateful stay. And should the angels call for him much sooner than we've planned, we'll brave the bitter grief that comes and try to understand. Since then, God has blessed me with an amazing husband, Rich, who you just met a few minutes ago, and an amazing baby little girl. Um, It's been long past due, but I'm really grateful to be here today getting baptized in God's grace. Thank you. Jay. Yes. Um, so I grew up in the church. Uh, I've been going to church all my life. Um, my mom was the one that brought me to church. She, um, she's the, the Christian matriarch in my family. My dad's not Christian. Um, so from a young age, uh, I felt like I knew God. Um, I knew who Jesus was. I knew enough of the Bible stories. That's what they were to me, you know, their stories. Um, and I had always considered myself uh, a Christian. Um, but uh, it was definitely more of just uh, like head knowledge than emotional truth in my heart. Um, and, you know, I, I always treated God more as kind of a safety net to turn to uh, when things went bad. Um, and he was just kind of this omnipotent, Observer that would just make sure, you know, you're in check and will punish you when things go bad. Um, so, so to give you a little bit more about my background, uh, my dad was a big influence in my life as well as my brother, um, and because of them, I think I grew up with a strong sense of of duty and you know morality. You always have to do what's right. You always have to serve others. Um, so it was really deeply rooted in like moral values, not necessarily uh, biblical values. Um, so for a lot of you that know me, that's kind of who I am. You know, I think I try to be very dutiful, very serving, very kind. Um, um, so I think I finally really encountered God in a personal way in college. Um, Starting into college, I continued to operate, you know, in the same way, uh, doing what I thought was right, being generous, sacrificial, kind. Um, But I think I made my life all about the actions. Um, And eventually, I think I started to find a lot of my self-worth and what I was doing. A lot of my, you know, if if I was nice, that meant that I was a good person. Um, And I think I also started to find a lot of my self-worth in what people thought of me uh, because of what I did. Um, so gradually, I think placing my value uh, in those things that are really like temporary that can change at any moment, um, I felt a lot of times like I didn't really know exactly who I was because, you know, one day to the next, I could feel like a great person or a terrible person or I didn't know. Uh, I let my actions define me and, you know, you act differently every single day. Um, So I was confused um, for a lot of time. Um, So it it really ate me up inside, and I I think a lot of times I felt extremely empty and not sure of where I was going or who I was. Um, 
But I think all this time, God was kind of stripping away all that uh, to help me realize that I can't live my life defined by those things because at the end, I'll just end up, you know, uh, so subjective to, to all your surroundings and your heart, which changes day by day. Um, so I think during the times when I felt least like I knew myself or um, that kind of thing, God would really come up and show me, like, you know, even though you don't know who you are, even though you don't feel at times that you're super Christian or that kind of thing or super faithful, like, you belong to me, um, and that's enough, you know? Um, so time and time again, he would, he would show me that. Um, so this one time, um, so I, I led a small group uh, also through InterVarsity. There's a lot of these uh, other people that you've gotten to know. Um, so I led a small group for two years in college. And uh, there's this one particular small group. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. It was like 30 minutes before it started. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I barely knew the passage. Um, and I was just sitting there. I felt so inadequate because I had just judged myself on what other people thought of me. And I was just sitting there and thinking. I was like, I can't do this, God. I don't deserve to do this. My motivations are all twisted. Um, but I think God really showed up. And he gave me this, this sense that you know, even though your heart may not be at the right place, even though your mind is very self-centered, you know, I want you here. I want you to lead the small group. Um, so I went into that small group. I actually didn't really prepare for it, but it, it, uh, it was one of my favorite small groups of all time because God just really showed up there. And, you know, uh, these people that didn't really involve themselves in small group would come out. They came out that day. It really opened up, and I think for me that day, it was so good because God was extremely transparent in the way that he was moving. Um, and it, I just felt so empowered and so um, at peace that no matter like who I am or who I try to be, God's always there. Um, so to, to wrap up, um, this quote from a, a movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago, um, this guy named uh, Albus Dumbledore says, It is our choices that show what we truly are far more than our own abilities. Um, and at face value, I was like, this is an amazing quote. Like, I, can, I can choose, and that makes me a better person rather than who I am inherently. Um, and while it's a great quote, I don't think it's the entire truth. Because... Uh, again, one of my, my favorite sermons that Pastor Peter ever preached was, uh, it was about jobs, and we were talking about, uh, basically when Jesus was baptized, he was like 30 years old, he had done no ministry, nothing, and, you know, when he was baptized, the skies opened up, and God was like, uh, you are my son, with you I'm well pleased, you know, you've done nothing, you've done absolutely nothing, and completely and unconditionally, I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I accept you, and you are my child. Amen. Um, so I think for me, going through college and, and really realizing my faith and encountering Jesus in a very personal way, like that's, that's the simple truth that he was trying to tell me the whole time. And I think 
know, only until a few years ago. And even now, I'm still trying to grasp that over and over again. Thank you, Jay. Last but not least, yes, home, please come on up. Your family flew all the way from Korea, yes? Come on up. No. no. From uh, California. Oh, California, where are they? Graduation, where are they? Hi, family, hi. Um, so, we were given like a one page limit, and I talk a lot. And there were too many people that God has、um, brought into my life, and too many people that have you know, influenced me, and too many things that.、Um, Have happened that I just, I like rewrote it like three times, and like my roommate was like, Why are you like freaking out? And I was like, I just don't know what to do. So、um, somehow I just typed, and it kind of turned into a spoken word piece. So、um, I'm gonna stand. Go for it. Do that. <clears throat>、uh, we were asked to share two things how we met the Lord and how He has impacted our lives. To answer the first, long story short, He sought me out. The second is more complex. We got to get into addiction, the complexities of thought, and the inadequacies of language. How do I answer the question, how has God impacted my life? It's like trying to answer the question of how fire impacts wood, light impacts darkness, how salt impacts food. Impact. It sounds so heavy on its own, but when talking about God, it suddenly shrinks and feels far too light. My life has not been impacted. It's been fundamentally changed, like how fire changes the molecular makeup of whatever it comes into contact with. Altered beyond recognition, like how darkness is no longer darkness when it meets light. Yet I'm more myself than I've ever been, the way salt makes food taste more like itself than it ever did without. I turn to Psalms for more adequate words. When I inevitably trip, fall, fail, and sin, and when guilt threatens to engulf me, he tells me that he has already forgiven all of my sins. And crowns me with love and compassion. Even before I ask to be sanctified, He has already put things into motion to change me, instruct me, a sinner, in His ways. When I despair at the depths of pain and brokenness in this world, racism, sexism, bigotry embedded in our legal systems, our education, education systems, our neighborhoods, our friends, our minds, I take heart and wait for the Lord. I hold tight to the promise that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But when I mourn that everything good also passes away, that people move, friendships change, life rolls on, I lift my eyes up to God, whose years go on through all generations, who remains the same, whose years never end. I wait joyfully for the revelational promise of a time when a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, you, Me will stand before the throne, before the Lamb, and praise our God forever and ever. How has He impacted my life? Well, He created me and has been with me every moment that I am. What I've been conscious of, all the way back then, I thought He was impacting my life here and there, but here now I see. And so He is what I cling to, what I fight for, what I live every day for, what I die every day to myself for. Impact? He is my life. Amen. Thank you. Outward sign of an inward, invisible reality. Outward sign 
of an inward, invisible reality. That's what baptism is. It's an outward sign. An outward sign. When, when the candidates for baptism are dunked underwater, it is a sign that just as Jesus Christ was buried, dying to sin and death and all evil and all injustice, paying the price once and for all. When the folks are dunked underwater, it's an identification with Christ. It's an outward sign of an invisible reality. That is that inwardly, that in regeneration, accepting Christ, that they too experience a kind of death, a kind of dying to themselves, a dying to sin, a dying to their old way of life, a dying to living as their own Savior and Lord, a dying to living for themselves. Baptism is an outward sign of an invisible reality. The people aren't dunked underwater and thankfully stay underwater. They're brought up out. And just as Christ didn't stay in the ground or the grave, dying to sin and death, but he rose again from the dead. And when he rose again from the dead, the Bible says he broke the chains of sin, Satan, death, and evil. When these men and women are brought up out of the water, it is also an outward sign of an invisible reality that they too have been set free from sin, Satan, and death. That they too have been set free from living to themselves and living for themselves. That they too have been set free, but more importantly now, are committing to living for God and His kingdom, giving for God and His causes. Baptism is an outward sign of an invisible reality. Make no mistake about it. Baptism doesn't save anybody. The Bible says that salvation comes by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. Baptism, though, is an outward sign of something profound that happens to all of us. These men and women are not just doing this for formality, church. When they go underwater and come out, signifying, testifying to this powerful reality in Romans 6, and they walk away from this church today, they are saying to you, they are saying to God, God, just as I died on that day, you came into my life, to my old way of life, and started living for you. Every day thereafter, I carry the cross. Every day thereafter, I carry the cross which says that I die to my sinful nature. Every day I die to my selfish desires. Every day I die to my seeking me first every day. And I commit to living for you. But secondly, secondly, it's not just identification with Christ, but it's also identification with the church. The Bible says that we've been baptized into the body of Christ. You heard over and over again today, when these men and women get baptized and they walk out, they are saying in front of you, in front of God, I refuse to accept this notion that a Christian could do Christianity by himself. Do you get that? That they're saying, I refuse to accept this American evangelical, sometimes misunderstood notion that the Christian life is me and Jesus were good and everything else is secondary. They are saying to you, I have been baptized not just to Christ, but to the body. And that means that every day hereafter, I am committed to you and you are committed to me and we are committed to each other. That's what baptism means. That's what they're committing Joe, know that. 
That's what we're committing to do. Baptism is an outward visible sign of an invisible spiritual reality of dying to sin and death and being raised to a new life. There couldn't be something more profound and powerful 